there and welcome to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick. Hope you have a good week. And I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee, <laughs> trying to entertain you for a mo- few moments. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your undoubtedly busy day to listen and hopefully uh, learn a few things or just be entertained. This episode is brought to you free of advertisements, free of annoying pitches for Audible subscriptions or pillows or whatnot. (laughs) Thanks to my patrons. I can do this because I've got a community behind me that supports me and believes in my mission. And if you want to be part of that community, if you have the means to support this mission in any, you know, on any level, uh, of course, it's uh, <laughs> there are many different ways in which you can support, uh, starting just by listening, taking the time to uh, tune in every week, or by giving feedback on social media, um, or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. Any type of support is so welcome and so much appreciated. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. We are making serious inroads into Lent as well. We are on our way to Easter. And, uh, well, in dark times, let me say that the longing for the light and the joy of Easter and the life that it represents is stronger than ever. And thankfully, nature is slowly also awakening, at least in this part of the world. Springtime is near. Um, The days are longer. I'm so happy that in the evening it's no longer pitch dark like it has been for months. Um, And it, it feels like uh the world is getting a little bit bigger instead of being constantly inside because of cold um nature in my backyard is is starting to to awaken and you've got the flowers uh showing themselves also really makes me want to go out and do a bit of work in the backyard this uh we, we worked last year a lot on the interior of the house and i kind of just left the garden for what it is but I'm also responsible for the maintenance of the garden and right now it's just a patch of grass and then some uh, some trees Um, it's it's not very original as a a garden it is really super straightforward and simple Um, there were a few dead trees that have been removed Um, there will still be work done because they're going to change the road that lead that is um uh adjacent to my house and uh, the rotunda uh or the roundabout um is going to be made safer and so they need to take away a bit a part of the garden i think anyway there's going to be an occasion to redo that garden and what i would like to do is to um just as we did with the interior of the house to make sure it uh, it gets done well, to take the initiative in this. So um, I'm hoping to find a few people that can help me with the design of that garden. And I, I would also really would like to clean and repair um, the backside of the house. So um, there is, um, next to the grass, there is a, a, a piece of, um, how do you say that, a terrace? where I hope to sit in the future. I can sit outside, maybe have dinner, or 
with my friends or organize a barbecue. But it is right now, it is completely weathered and the the tiles are super old and, and green, overgrown with moss and haven't been cleaned in years. Uh, everything looks a bit run down and is in need of a bit of a refresher. So that's what I hope to work on um, in in phase two of the house renovation, and it will be the exterior of the house. And hopefully um, we can make something. The other thing that needs to be done is to separate the my part of the garden with the garden from the parish building because they are currently working on an extension of their parish meeting uh, room uh, which is going to gobble up part of the garden. So they're right now behind the house. It's a big mess. It's all the building material and ugh, total, total junkyard. But I would like to, in the future, I would like to uh, uh, build a separation between my garden and the garden of the parish so that, you know, I can have my privacy, they can have their, their privacy. Um, so that... It, but that also requires me to basically make some changes to the the plants and the the, or the current um, layout of of the garden. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. It's something again. I'm learning also in the process of of uh, doing these renovations and uh, having a a bit of a hobbit like environment that has always been on my bucket list. Just create a little oasis of peace. I mean, I have a garden. There's so few people that actually have um, the occasion to to, um, to to have a garden. So I want to take good care of it. I want to make sure that it is really nice and peaceful. And then if friends come over, they can enjoy uh, that that a nice garden. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to learning a lot about plants and flowers because I don't know anything about it right now. But it's all Googleable. Is that a word? <laughs> I can all Google it. I'm sure I will learn over time how to do it. That's how I learned a lot about renovation. It's just by observing the experts and learning what can be done and what can't be done. Um, I'm also still looking at my office where I'm currently recording these shows. Um, you may have seen some behind-the-scenes photos that we shared with you, or maybe if you've joined um, the community hour that we organize for the patrons every week. Um, we do that on Friday, by the way. So um, during the community hour, um, I often show people a little bit, you know, what what the, what my situation looks like. So I, I show my equipment, or if I have a new camera lens, I'll talk about that. Um, so you may have seen that this studio where I'm currently recording my podcast and my YouTube videos is very small. <laughs> it is really, really tiny. And I've got two desks crammed into this room, one of which is also the houses, my huge PC, which, by the way, now that I think of it, I should open this door. So I've got this big editing PC. I had this tailor-made, um, I think, about five years ago. Um, and it's this very huge metal encasing because back then we we thought we were going on tour with this computer we needed to have a a streaming computer that would be strong enough well, well it would be powerful enough to do um to handle multiple hd cameras and we were planning on streaming live from various places in the country and so we i 
asked someone to build a computer for me that would be super sturdy. Well, that's what he did. And so it's got a steel case. It is so heavy. I can barely carry this by myself. And that is, at the same time, the innards are already on the old side. I mean, it's just really not. Uh, it's, it's kind of below par right now, which is, you know, for the kind of use that I uh, uh, that I bought it for is okay. I do mostly video editing and a little bit of lightweight audio uh, editing on it. Um, but the problem with this computer is that it is also very hot. It, it consumes a lot of power, because everything was made with components from years ago. So uh, every year, of course, the components get more energy efficient and smaller. And so the reason that I was like, oh, I need to open this door is that the, currently this, this big computer is, is so big that I have it in its own uh, compartment underneath the desk and it's got a door. Unfortunately, I cannot close the door. Because then the temperature will rise to, I don't know, 30, 40 degrees inside there, which is just not good for the computer. Um, but just to go to show how much energy this thing is using up, because heat, of course, comes from energy. And, and it's also um, annoying to have to have this door open underneath my desk because, well, I'm the computer, the podcasting equipment is on the other desk. So I'm currently sitting a little bit awkwardly so I can keep this door open. Um, and at the same time, there's not enough space anymore for my, for my desk chair. So yeah, this needs to change. This is not perfect. What I would like to do is, and I've said this before, I would like to switch to uh, Mac Mini. So go completely I, um, uh, Apple or what is it, OS X, for, for my editing work. So the Adobe... Uh, suite that I'm using is uh, cross compatible. So it doesn't matter if you have a, an Apple or a PC, it will run exactly the same programs and it will run them equally well. Uh, but of course, the newer Apples have a much faster um, chipset than, than this, what is it? Um, I think it's an i7 chipset that's in here. So uh, for rendering... Um, a Mac can do can work probably five to ten times faster than this computer, which is quite a lot, especially if you uh, like me are doing a lot on YouTube or, for instance, with these documentaries. We're talking about very complicated layers. So we have oftentimes three, four video layers, and then at least eight audio layers, and they all uh, ideally are rendering in real time so you can see what you're doing. Uh, now, with this computer, I cannot work uh, in real time. I have to create proxies, which are kind of low-resolution uh, copies of the files that I work with, and then only in the final render will it use the full resolution. But then it takes oftentimes a lot of time to render, especially with all the color correction, audio tweaks that we do. This computer doesn't cut it anymore. And so I'm, I'm really hoping to uh, uh, replace. And once I have, you know, you know, the Mac Mini is super tiny. So I can probably just put that on my desk. I don't even need anything under my desk. So in that case, I could just get one of those curved um, desks where it's just one L-shaped desk with just space underneath instead of 
just right now, I I don't know where to put my knees. I'm sometimes sitting with my knees against the door of the cabinet that holds the, the PC. It's not very comfortable. <laughs> so I think there's room for improvement. So that's my other big project next to the, the garden is to uh, go to, you know, Office slash Studio 2.0 and just uh, work. I love the layout and it works really well. And on camera, it looks actually pretty clean. I also keep it clean, but um, but in terms of comfort, it's not it's not there yet. So um, again, if you if you're following me uh, as a patron during community hour, I will uh, show you a little bit more what's what's happening underneath the table on which all this equipment is currently standing. Let's go and um, well, actually, I don't know what button am I going to push now. Um, let's go to the movies. Why not? Um, this one. I do not like movies. They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. My apologies in advance to all of you that are uh, consuming most of their television content on Netflix or Amazon Prime, because for another subsequent week, I'm going to talk about a show on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. Um, This time, it's not, uh, what was it, Um, Suspicion? What was the name of that other TV show? Um, Yeah, something. What was it? Oh my gosh, I can't remember what it was two weeks ago. Um, yeah, Suspicion. It was called Suspicion. Um, this is a, a, a series that is um, published at the same time as Suspicion. This one is called Severance. And it's another one that just keeps me on the edge of my seat. And I cannot, I cannot skip an episode. It is so compelling. And it's so mysterious what's going on. So Severance is a show um, that has, to me, it had a familiar vibe. And I, when I watched the first episode, I was like, this reminds me of something. And I don't know what it is, but man, it's got that 70s vibe. Um, and and you're, so you're in this, the story is about uh, um, a company that, whose employees have uh, undergone a neurological modification that separates their, the time they spent at the office from the time they spent in their non-working hours. And they cannot access each other's memories. So the people that are working, their their identities have no recollection of what their day-to-day life outside of the company looks like. And the people that are living just their life without work have no recollection, no access to whatever takes place during those hours that they work. Very creepy concept. Very, very, uh, uh, I don't know, just gives me the jitters. It's like, oh, who would like to work in a situation like that? I think it pays well. I don't know. But then the company itself where they work um, has a very much a a, a, a a 70s vibe to it. And then it hit me. I was like, oh, man, this makes me think of... Uh, of Lost, the television series Lost. Remember that when once they go uh, in the second season into that underground bunker and they start to discover that on the island in the 70s there's been this kind of 
scientific experiment and a lot of these buildings are still hidden in the jungle um <clears throat> everything it's as is as if time has stood still on the island and um and uh, and, and the people that are still connected to those facilities still have, have no idea that the world has moved on and, and use all that 70s equipment that is what this series also feels like um so it is um visually extremely well done i love the um, the kind of the cinematography it's very abstract um it i i don't know it's just unique in the way it looks i love it uh the um the actors are also very high profile um i was surprised to see um that's maybe because it's apple money and well they uh <laughs> they have the money to pay for uh for you know high profile stars but the main character is played by Adam Scott which who plays a, a, a very important role in Parks and Recreation but he's almost unrecognizable in this series is like he looks so different and the 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 entire character is so entirely different from the very likable warm person that he played in parks and recreation that you're like wow that's that's what acting does it really um it, it, it can transform an actor into someone completely different it's wonderfully done um a heli in the series is played by Britt lower who i was not familiar with but she also is, I think, a very uh, unique character, very cool, cool role, uh, intriguing. Um, I'm trying to see what else she played in. Yeah, I don't know any of these movies that she's been in before, but she's got uh, a, an important role in this. Yeah, I'm looking at IMDb, but I don't recognize any of those. Um, there was one other character that was super well known. Oh, yeah, Christopher Walken. He plays Bert in this Christopher Walken in a TV show. I mean, wow, <laughs> so cool, and and also a, a, a number of actors that maybe are very famous, but I don't really recognize them. Um, and what I also like about the series, it starts very small, and and you really go with these characters into that procedure, and you feel the claustrophobic phobic nature of that work and then of course the intrigue starts and bit by bit every episode kind of broadens that world especially of course the outside world uh, because can you truly live in that separation because for someone who works at the office they don't ever leave it's as if they live in this prison and it's not a very nice place to work at. And it's very strange the kind of work that they do. So you're constantly like, well, what's going on here? Why can't they, why do they undergo this procedure? Why even do you need that procedure? Are they hiding some something? What's going on? It's very sci-fi, kind of, but it has that Lost vibe. What, what made Lost so intriguing was that you never really fully understood what was going on up until the last episode she's like what what am i looking at uh what's so there's this this box of pandora um well i'm not sure if it's, but it, it follows kind of the the storytelling technique that jj abrams uh, often talks about where you have this mystery box and you don't know what's in it and 
that is going to remain like that for the rest of the series. Because the moment you open the box and you know what's in there, the mystery is gone. And so is the reason to watch. So you always keep a lid on that box and you try to create as much mystery as possible. And you need to kind of spoon feed the audience with small temporary solutions. You need to satisfy their curiosity without ever divulging the the biggest, the big mystery that is at the core of the situation. That's kind of what... I think Severance does really well in the tradition of Lost. So I'm I'm thinking if you like Lost, you'll probably also enjoy watching Severance on Apple TV Plus. At least I know I do. <laughs> Catholics rock. It's time for another Lenten visit to the Peculiar Bunch, a place where you can ask anything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you're afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? I think it was last week that I talked a bit about, uh, oh, maybe that was on Father Roderick to the Max. I talked about mindfulness and prayer and the difference between the two. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster video. My apologies. Sometimes I get a bit confused. Did I talk about that last week? It's like, oh, no, I've got that other show. So sometimes there's a lot of crossover between this show and, and Father Roderick to the max. But, of course, if you if you only listen to this show, you, you have no clue what I'm talking about. So um, just to summarize it, I was talking about uh, Headspace, which is uh, um, this service subscription thing where that – gives you a lot of meditation, guided meditation and little video clips, breathing exercises. Um, and, and a lot of it is focused on mindfulness and, and uh, teaching you how to practice mindfulness, to calm yourself, to create some distance between you and your feelings and emotions um, and having a clearer idea of uh, what's going on inside of you and what you can do to change your life for the better. Uh, and I, I was talking about that I did a month of uh, of headspace um, and and for me that was a uh, was not my first encounter with uh, mindfulness but definitely continued to teach me some some tricks on on you know how to calm myself how to uh, clear my mind in a certain way and be more in the here and now instead of constantly thinking about distractions or worry about the future or grieve about the past and be frustrated about what happened to you. It's all about refocusing on the here and now so that you become more in charge of your your emotions. And um, it doesn't mean that your life all of a sudden becomes easier, but it makes it more manageable. And it gives you a bit more um, grip on on how you feel, and 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 I really appreciate it. Um, those those practical exercises that um, that Headspace offers you. It's it's not the only place. There are also free alternatives for that uh, that kind of more or less do the same. There are podcasts on uh, mindfulness, but what I said. Last week, I think it was on Father Roderick to the Max, is that um, I wouldn't say that it's, you may call it meditation, but it's not meditation in the definition that I would use in, in as 
you know, meditation linked to prayer. Um, if prayer was only breathing exercises, uh, living in the here and now, blanking out almost, um, that would be a very poor, poor prayer. On the other hand, prayer without, you know, mental peace, inner peace, without um, being able to let go of your of your emotions can also become a very impoverished prayer. So I think that these two can um, enhance each other. And prayer, as I've explained before, is one of the pillars of, of the time of Lent. And so it's always a bit of a challenge, I think, for most of us to, um, to make room for prayer in your day-to-day life. Um, and so many of us will just stay stuck with uh, prayers of uh, basically prayer requests i light a candle here's my my shopping list please god uh, can you deliver this um as soon as possible thank you (laughs) god is not dhl you know it's uh, god is not a delivery service or a takeaway restaurant um there's nothing wrong in asking for help um and yes you can label that as prayer but it shouldn't just be that. It's also, prayer can also just be, instead of asking, can giving, giving your time. Um, spending some time in the presence of God can be adoration, for instance. There's nothing really useful about adoration, but it's spending time with with God who loves you and you are trying to love him back. So it's very similar to... Um, all the non-productive productive time that lovers spent with each other, you know? It's, it's, because it's not about being productive or being efficient. It's about spending time together. So prayer can be that. Um, prayer can also be active listening. How, what do I discern is God's will? If, if you look at prayer from all these angles, then you can imagine that prayer actually becomes much more interesting as something you can do because it will help you to grow in your relationship with God, in, in trying to understand what is the purpose of my life, what is God's plan in this. It can also make you more aware of the suffering in the world or the, the needs of the people for who you pray. Maybe even your own needs. If you, if you ask for something in prayer... You can also wonder, why am I asking this? Is this the right thing to ask? That would be a good question. And if if I'm asking for something, if I really hope that God will hear my prayer, why is that so important to me? Those are interesting questions. And you can take some time to pray about that. Spend time with God to think that through. And that is, I think, where... Um, Mindfulness has helped me, at least, to become more more aware of what's going on inside of me. I've often prayed for solutions to difficult problems. Last year, when I was forced to move, um, where a lot of what I'd build up in my old parish, kind of I had to let go of that, and I didn't want to. Uh, and and a lot of my prayers are were like complaints, like. Why? Why is it? What's the meaning of this? And where is this going? Can't you do something about this? You, you, you know, you know what, what I do, and you know, is it all? Why do I have to let go of this? I, I don't want to. And it was a lot of that kind of like, ah, oh, very emotional prayer. Um, thanks to Corona, thanks to having long COVID, 
and having to literally apply principles of mindfulness to rebalance my life and also to, to be more attentive to the signals that my own body was giving me, especially when it comes to overexertion, you know, spending too much energy. I don't have, as, you know, someone who has had long COVID, my energy reserves are not as limitless as they seem to be previously. So I have to make choices. But I also have to be aware of the fact that sometimes my body is telling me, it's trying to tell me something, and I was just so apt at pushing that away. Um, and sometimes I would even blame God for that. Well, God wants me to work. He doesn't want me to be lazy. And I would project on God things that actually, you know, people in my past used to say that, or maybe my parents, you know. You can't be lazy. You always have to be uh, useful. Um, and it, mindfulness has really helped me to, to observe what I feel and to not judge right away, not label it immediately as, oh, right now I'm tired, but I'm actually lazy and I should force myself to work. No, it's like, what's going on? Why do I feel like this? And is that justified? Is my, what I feel, is that based on verifiable facts or is it just what I feel? Is it my interpretation? Is it my, my way of thinking about the situation? Is there another way to think about what just happened? Can I see... Can I frame, reframe this in a more positive way? Stuff like that, that has really been super helpful. First of all, in becoming more aware of what I feel and why I feel it. So I'm asking way more questions to myself. Like, okay, so what's going on? Why do I feel like this? Um, which is already just asking the question, why do I feel what I feel? It's not judging. It's not telling myself I cannot feel this. I shouldn't. Shouldn't, couldn't, wouldn't. No, this is, this is who I am. This is what I am right now. But let, let me take a step back and just observe this feeling. How does it feel in my chest? How is my, is my heart pounding? Do I, is, am I tense? And the moment you become aware of that tenseness, you start to let go. And oftentimes it will come with a form of relaxation. And you can then ask yourself, so what's, what's going on here with me? And you know what? If you spend some time trying to answer those questions, it purifies prayer. Because then all of a sudden, I don't have to bother God, as if he's ever bothered with what I ask. But instead of filling my prayer with stuff like, please fix this, please help me with that, um, I can just spend that time to just be with God, knowing that he has given me uh, a lot of abilities and talents to solve a number of these problems that seem to be insurmountable, uh, but I can solve it myself. He, he has given me a brain. He's, got, he's given me even um, the gift of, of learning about all these, you know, aspects of my life. The fact that I've been discovering so much about how my brain works, psychology, reading. Those are just literally gifts of God to understand how he helps me to change my life and to change it in such a way that I can serve others even better. And to, be, to feel more at, at peace with myself. So instead of seeing mindfulness as something that's opposite to Christian prayer, I see it more as, you know, that too is a tool. It's, it's, a, it's a gift that, um, that really benefits me and helps me to spend more quality time with God. Because the less I have on my wish list, 
the more room there is for God to maybe express his will. So it's definitely a tool for discernment and something that just by doing these breathing exercises, start my prayer with just breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold, breathe in, hold. If you do that a couple of times, you already start to calm down. And then another thing that a lot of saints have struggled with, I know this from St. Therese of Lisieux, she, she writes about that, that she always gets distracted during prayer. And, you know, that's why I can relate so much to uh, Therese, because that everyone has that same experience. Even no matter how much of a mystic you are, you're going to be distracted. But what I learned from mindfulness is that that's not a problem. It's That's just human. Just observe the distraction. Try to maybe ask yourself, where does it come from? And then bring yourself back to prayer. So it's not about the fact that you can't hold your concentration, but it's that you get used to this movement of whenever I feel distracted, let me bring myself back to the here and now, to God's presence here. If you are ever, if you've ever tried to do adoration, Eucharistic adoration in the Catholic Church, you may have had that same struggle. You know, I'm supposed to be here for God. He's there in front of me on the altar, and I'm thinking about Star Wars. <laughs> I am already cooking in my mind what I'm going to cook tonight. What is this? And, and instead of blaming yourself for it, just observe. Don't judge. God doesn't judge you when you're distracted. That's human. But always remind yourself in those moments, okay, so that and that's training. That's just doing it multiple times. You will quickly catch yourself, hey, I'm distracted. I'm th- now thinking of this. Okay, that's that's fine. It's not a problem. But let's bring, let's go back. Let's just be in the here and now. Let's take a few moments to focus on my breathing. And then f- f- let's empty my my mind and refocus on God's presence here. Prayer in itself is, is constant movement. It's not this state that you attain or not. It's definitely not um, a prize that you can win. Prayer is this constant movement towards God without maybe ever ar- arrive fully. Um, but it's in the effort of constantly refocusing, bringing yourself back to God, recentering. That is what what shows your intent to be with God. Just like a relationship cannot be one hundred percent every single day. In a relationship uh, between people that are in love, you always have that movement towards one another. There can be times where everything feels like a desert where there seems to be no contact whatsoever, but there's always one that is trying to reestablish contact, even if the other person on the other end of the line seems to be absent. The movement itself is already relationship, even if the other person doesn't seem to reply. It's Even, even the dark night that St. John of the Cross talks about, it's this, this seeking God without finding him, without even feeling him, this this moment these moments of profound existential doubt is even there the fact that you are in this movement of trying to find god that in itself is prayer it's maybe one of the most heroic forms of prayer because it it joins jesus on the cross who is praying that same prayer father where are you i can't see you i can't feel you i are you there you know it's a it's part of relationships and I also think that ultimately uh, 
If you keep seeking, you will find. That's what Jesus promises. But it may take a while. But as long as you keep refocusing, bring yourself back every time in that same movement, ultimately I think that effort will be rewarded. I have no proof of that. I can't guarantee you. Can't, can't give you. It's not a recipe. But it is the experience of many mystics and saints over time. And you never know exactly when you will have that, that difficulty finding God in your life. But persistence is key. Just like almost anything in life. All right, that's what I wanted to share with you. Let's move on. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Speaking of listening to your feelings, whether they are positive, your your creative drive, or negative, fear and anxiety and self-doubt, uh, acknowledging what's going on inside of you without thinking that that's what defines you, that is the premise of the book that uh, that I recently read, which is called Embrace Your Weird. Um, let me go to my Goodreads page, uh, because it's been a while since I read the book. And I, oh gosh, now I have to log in. That's always the problem on, on computers. Goodreads works with my Amazon account. So I have to sign in through Amazon and then it tells me to use my phone for like this two-factor authentication and I never have my phone at hand. Thankfully, I have right now by some miracle. Um, but I just wanted to go, oh, wow, I don't have to do two-factor um, right now. Okay, sorry about that. Anyway, Felicia Day is the author of the story. And I was a huge fan of the first book that she wrote, You're Never Weird on the Internet, or Almost Never Weird on the Internet. And I kind of expected this book to be a sequel. And what I liked about the first book was that it was an autobiography, lots of stories. And um, if you uh, have watched her um, Xbox series, The Guild, um, it was just so much fun to to hear kind of how that series came about and what led to that series. And, and I expected this book to be a bit of the same. It is funny, um, like the first book. I listened to the audiobook, which, by the way, was maybe not the right choice because this is definitely not this, this is not an autobiography at all. It does have a few anecdotes, but they're pretty rare. This is more of a kind of a workbook, you could say, with all sorts of little things you can do to... Face Your Fears and Unleash Your Creativity, as the title says, or the subtitle says. And uh, uh, the book contains a myriad of things you can do to trigger your creativity and also has a few chapters where um, it's more reflective and um, kind of makes you realize that we all have fears, we all have anxiety, we all feel sometimes, we, we censor ourselves. We feel like, well, but what I... To, I, I'm, I'm not good enough to do this. So you see that a lot with people that are creative or want to be creative, like writers, YouTubers, painters. How many of you have had creative aspirations but then just give up on that because, eh, what are people going to think? I don't have time for that. I'm not good enough. Um, and this book is all about, well, who cares? It's not about how good you are. Don't compare yourself with others. Creativity is a virtue in itself. And the more you express yourself creatively, 
the more you will feel good because you are made to create. I, I would say from a religious point of view, which is not the perspective of this book, I would say totally, I'm totally, I, I totally agree with that because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is a creator. So if we have that Holy Spirit in us, it's no wonder that we feel creative at times. But when God created the giraffe, just, of course, talking here in a analog manner, <laughs> it's not that God one day just sat down and like, oh, let's design this weird animal with a long neck. That's not how creation works. But anyway, God created so much that is unnecessary and weird and strange and sometimes just like in our eyes, ugly. But there are some animals like spiders <laughs> where I was like, eh, I don't know if I like this design. Can you make it less creepy crawly? Um, but God just creates. He doesn't care what we think about it. He doesn't ask our advice, like how should we do this? <laughs> um, there's a joke, by the way, which is very sexist, where that says, why did God create Adam before Eve? Because he didn't want to constantly be debating with Eve on how to create Adam. <laughs> so, but it's kind of the, jokingly, of course, uh, it, it's uh, uh, expressing this idea that God's creativity has no limits and and is not self-aware in a certain way. Uh, the act of creation in itself is is valuable. And so that's why you should not be afraid to just just try and you will get better over time if that's if that's what you want practice makes perfect um uh for for years i've been talking with people that wanted to start a podcast and or were trying to make a podcast and they would write me can you please listen and check it out and yeah well, of course i i don't know if it's any good and um but I was always happy to see that some people actually really dare to just go for it. And they and and it's most gratifying to see people follow your example and get and see them grow and 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 be a witness of and sometimes, you know, the pupil will surpass the master. I I guess that uh, Cliff Ravenscraft can give myriad examples of that where he taught people how to podcast and then they they turn into these media moguls. <laughs> it's like, wow. It's wonderful as a teacher to see your your own pupils just grow and improve by by just doing, and by and and the best thing you can do as a teacher is encourage people to not be afraid of what other people think. Just express yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody has the right to do that. And um, uh, I'm currently on on Father Roderick to the Max. Sorry to to mention that all the time if you have no access to that show. But uh, I'm 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 walking through a number of um, things that I learned on the internet of how our brains work and what we can learn from that. And what there's this spotlight effect where we always worry about what will people think of us? What if I make something creatively and it, it's not good enough and people will judge me and they will just leave nasty comments? Um, usually people don't care. They're way too much. Um, sp they're spending most of their time in just thinking about that same question they're, they're thinking about their own lives they don't have time to constantly think about what you do um so stop thinking that you are in the spotlight because just be yourself express yourself and if people leave negative comments just shrug just delete it 
life is too short to spend time on justifying why you do the things that you do, especially creatively. Who are they to judge you? At least you are trying to do something and create something. So that's what basically in a nutshell this book wants to convey. And uh, it was a bit, you know, as an audio book, it's a bit much. Plus, I think Felicia Day has been drinking a lot of coffee before she recorded the book because it's just at breakneck speed. A lot of the books that I read, I read them at, you know, 1.5 speed or sometimes two, two times the regular reading speed. I couldn't do that with this book. Because it's already, like, the regular version is already so um, full of caffeine or (laughs) it's just super high speed, very perky, very uh, vibrant. And that's a quality, but it's also, you know, to be consumed in small doses. That's probably how you should read this book. Just one chapter a week is probably the the best tempo. But anyway, I'm past that. I've already finished the book. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. Scientists have discovered a long-lost continent. It's called Balkanatolia. This was such a weird, weird article that I read on, uh, I think it was on Vice.com. So apparently 40 million years ago, there was a landmass that has facilitated the migration of Asian mammals into Europe. But that landmass is no longer there. Uh, scientists have d- identified this long-lost continent, um, according to this new study, and they named it Balkanatolia because it stretches between the Balkan and the Anatolian peninsulas. And this may have been the westward passage of Asian mammals into Europe, which in itself, that migration of these mammals was a major ecological shakeup that completely reshaped European fauna. This always is interesting to read because it shows that the earth is always in movement. So people that say like, but we need to defend our own cultural identity and, oh gosh, sometimes it's so fatiguing because what is our identity if not a blend of other cultures there is no country in the world that is completely has been the same and will remain the same for the rest of eternity no that's not how the force works it's not how earth works we are look at what you enjoy eating all your recipes are made with ingredients that a couple of centuries ago nobody had heard of the things that you now would label as that typical American, Canadian, Dutch food, it, it wasn't. Look at Italians, the pasta. There's nothing more Italian than pasta, right? Well, duh. It's noodles. It came from the East. It's been imported. It's in, it's Of course, it was enculturated and appropriated as being typically Italian. But if it hadn't been for all these trade routes, then Italians would, I don't know, eat Potatoes, or or maybe not potatoes, because they came from another country as well. So, anyway, this shows this this um, new scientific discovery shows that even what we consider to be kind of native flora and fauna has been coming from other parts of the world as well. There's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't fear new cultures or influences of other cultures. You, you've got the language purists. You know that's not how you speak proper English or proper Dutch and the, the language, the grammar Nazis. And I'm thinking, sure, I understand. I personally am very sensitive to, <laughs> I, I like beautiful language. 
On the other hand, I also know that the Dutch that I speak right now, in a century from now, I won't even be able to understand people. Because our language keeps changing and changing and changing. You already see this. If you go back to the, the black and white movies from the 50s, even the sitcoms, and you're like, but nobody speaks like that anymore. Audrey Hepburn, she spoke like imaginary English. It was kind of this fabricated English that had to be a bit of a blend between American English and then British English, but it was completely just for the movies. Nobody spoke that, but it was influenced by what, by all these different flavors of English. There is not one single definitive version of the English language. You've got Father Roderick English, English, which is also influenced by many different movies that I've watched and people that I've known and uh, do you say June or Dune? Uh, depends. Depends. Who cares? It's it's a mix. <laughs> Maybe in, in 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 two centuries from now, people would pronounce June or Dune like uh, Dune. Well, I don't know. I'm just making it up, like Dean, instead of June. Who knows? Cultures, flora, fauna. The world is in constant movement, and that enriches. Um, our world. So this this continent, Balkanatolia, was kind of a temporary land bridge, um, and the fossil. They've been able to prove this through fossils because they saw that there were um, Asian mammals from rhinoceroses to hamsters that pushed into Europe, and they would mix or exterminate other native species and replace them. Um, and that's, that's just fascinating. Uh, and, and the more we, we discover this, so this was basically a, a continent between Western Europe and Africa. And now it's just sea. There's nothing left of that. But because there was this connection between those two continents, a lot of the animals that we now take for granted in Western Europe actually came from Africa. Isn't that amazing? I love science. <laughs> We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. Apparently, Apple is working on a foldable iPhone. For real? <laughs> there was this article on BGR.com that said, well, we actually finally may have an indication as to when Apple is going to bring us a foldable phone. Of course, this is something that already exists, and a number of Chinese manufacturers uh, and I think Samsung, they have foldable phones or kind of these hybrid devices where it's, the size of a phone, but if you fold it open, it's more the size of a tablet. Um, and apparently Apple has also been working on prototypes for a foldable phone. But according to the latest rumors, this device may not arrive until 2025 at the at the absolute earliest. Um, whereas previously, mm, the, the, the observers told us that maybe already 2023 would be the year that Apple would release that. Um, for now, and this is all based on rumors, of course, because um, Apple is extremely tight-lipped on, on future products. Um, 
according to an Apple leaker, John Prosser, this iPhone Fold will boast two separate displays, display panels on a hinge and a round stainless steel edge, kind of similar to the iPhone 11. Um, and the device will not have a notch. Thank goodness. Oh, there's one thing I hate about Apple phones and oh, more recently more concerning their desktop computers is a notch. Oh, it's just, I don't know. It's me, but I I really will never get used to a notch. I hate the notch. I'm so glad that my iPad doesn't have a notch. And if they ever make an iPad with a notch, I will not buy it. I hate notches. Anyway, so... <laughs> I don't know why I, I don't like notches. It's just breaking the symmetry of the screen. It's uh, this constant, I don't know. It's like I don't like to have a webcam on top of my computer screen either. I hate that. I don't know why. I just don't like it. It's not supposed to be there. Um, so, But this is a concept that Windows, Microsoft, has also tried out with their mobile phone slash tablet uh, to have two separate screens with a hinge. And, of course, that... Uh, Involved that also had as a consequence that they had to create um, uh, an, an operating system that could handle two screens and have it still make sense. However, Apple has already done that. I love that on the newest uh, iOS iteration of um, uh, on on my iPad is that I can almost divide any application into just half its size and then i can have a secondary app open on the right side of the screen and that almost is as if i have two vertical screens instead of one big ipad and i love that i I use it all the time so maybe maybe that's that's there because apple has already been thinking of doing like a dual screen phone Um, and so the operating system is already kind of ahead of the game in a certain way. I wouldn't be surprised if that's uh, part of the reason that you have that ability now on bigger screens. Um, But, of course, as we all know, foldable screens is kind of tricky, especially those phones that have no hinge, where it's just one big screen. There's always potential problems with the... uh, I mean, LCD screens can fold, but it never folds completely flat. You always have that crease. Um, it's also kind of usually a bit vulnerable for malfunctioning. So I, I, I personally have always felt that just maybe just go for two screens. I would get used to that pretty easily. It's just that when you want to watch a movie, then yeah, maybe having a, uh, a separation between the two screens is not that it's not that good. Um, but I'm also thinking, why would you want to watch a movie on a foldable phone? I I just wait until I get home and watch it on on my TV. But maybe I'm just old fashioned. Who knows? Hey, that wraps it up for uh, for this episode. Thank you so much. Um, my patrons will have another episode of uh, Father Roderick to the Max to look forward to, and of course, make sure to sh- check out my my youtube page or channel and i'm currently also working on um, making a secondary youtube channel won't have my full focus but that's where i want to post more of these vlogs and maybe behind the scenes stuff from when i'm filming documentaries if you want to help me make those documentaries and you want to be involved as an investor as a co-producer in that process if that's your area of interest then uh, check out my patreon page where you can 
find out how to become a co-producer of the video productions that I make. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week and talk to you soon.